Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp, then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more to those who listen to my teaching. More understanding will be given, but for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprout and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables, but afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Well, last week, we had a moment in the middle of the night where the power went out in our house. And so it was like, which it's night, it shouldn't be a big deal, but in our house, both of our girls have sound machines, we have a monitor, we have a dehumidifier going in the hallway, like there's, there's an abundance of white noise that's going on. And then when like the power goes out and the girls' cameras went off, the, our, our monitor just starts beeping hysterically loud and it's like, hey, we've been disconnected, yes, I know, thank you, uh, but like we, we wake up. And it, it's so quiet in the house that it's really hard to go back to sleep. And so Tiffany and I are just like laying there in bed for like 15 minutes. And the next thing I know, I hear Ava start crying. And I'm like, okay, yeah, if you're sound machine. So I go into her room and like, I can't see her face, but I can just sense the seriousness in her voice. Dad. I can't see anything. Like, she is like panicking. She is like freaking out because like she has a nightlight and, and like eventually, sometimes there's moonlight. There was none like this night. Like it was just so dark in our house and she was, she was terrified. She was afraid. Like she could not see anything. And so I opened the blinds and it doesn't help. And so finally, like we turn on like a little battery powered light thing that she has, but she She's just like, I'm just in this complete darkness, this unknown, this uncertainty, and I don't really know what's going on. Sometimes, though, as I think about that, is that ever how we feel when it comes to the Bible? When it comes to God's word, when it comes to following Jesus, like there's just so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. Maybe it just seems like we're just, we don't really know where, what we're supposed to do. It's, it's hard to see where we're supposed to be heading. It's, it's just It's just dark. You ever had one of those moments? Those times where we, we have difficulty understanding, we don't really understand, we don't really know what, what God wants from us or wants for our lives or the direction in which he wants us to head. This week I was, I was driving into Galway and I was listening to, to this audio book. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, like just have one of those moments where you, you just kind of zone out. And like I'm just driving and I'm zoned out and the next thing that I hear is Luke, Luke, 
are you listening? And I'm like, what, what is happening right now? And then it goes on to say, Luke is a pastor of a village church. He has a lovely wife, two small kids. And I'm like, what is going on right now, God? And I, I, I pause the audiobook. I'm like, okay, what's happening? And like, I was like completely freaked out by this. And I was terrified. And I was like, I'm going to have to rewind this to make sure like this is actually what it was saying. Sure enough, I rewind it. And it's like, it tells the story. And then it finally says, it's like, Luke is 28 years old. I'm like, whoo, okay, it's not talking to me. Um, like, but it was just like this terrifying moment. I was like, is that what it's like for God to talk to you? Like, I was zoned out, and the next thing, somebody's calling my name. And like, but I think about it, I was like, isn't that sometimes maybe what we'd, what we'd like? God, if you could just like speak to me, if you could just talk to me a little bit, that would be really helpful. If you could just like, hey, get my attention, because like I, I'm sometimes zoning out, and like, just speak to me, tell me what you want for your church, what you want for your kingdom, what you want for my life, what you want for my family. If you could just, you could just speak to me. And if that's how you feel, if you've ever felt that way, passages like this one today are, are a real comfort. They're a comfort to me, and I hope it's a comfort to you, because the idea is like, God doesn't want to keep us in the dark. God doesn't want us just like in this uncertainty, this frustration, this annoyance, this darkness. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants to help reveal some things to us so we can understand, especially when it comes to his kingdom. And here's what we, what we see when it comes to the kingdom. is The kingdom is central to the Bible. And as such, Jesus wants us to understand it. If we are to lay all the gospels together, and we're to read through everything that Jesus, Jesus says, the number one teaching that Jesus gives us is about the kingdom. Like, it's not even close. Number two is not even close. More than heaven and hell combined, Jesus speaks on, he teaches on the kingdom. And each one of these parables, each one of these stories, Jesus is te teaching us something about the kingdom. He's helping us understand what the kingdom is like. He's helping us understand, like, you do not have to be left in the dark here. We can understand the kingdom. When we begin to see the kingdom, how it, how it builds, how it grows, we start to see this kingdom transition or tr transaction that's, that's happening here. And so the first thing in Mark 4, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 21 through 23. One of the first things that, that Jesus is teaching us is that the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. So the first thing is the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. Here's what Jesus says, starting in verse 21. Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought into light. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. So, so here's the premise. Is Jesus doesn't want, us, want to keep us in the dark. Rather, he wants to illuminate our understanding. Like Jesus is in a lot of ways, he's handing us a torch and like shining this light on the kingdom so that we can understand what it is. Like he doesn't want us to stay in the dark. Here's the thing about God and Jesus. Confusion and chaos are not his way. That's not the way he works. It's not the way he operates. Sure, there are things that we don't understand. There's things that we won't grasp, but he wants to illuminate our understanding. He wants us to help to know what we are, what we're talking about. And so we can understand this. But you think back to me once again when, when the power goes out in my house, okay? If the power goes out in your house, like you've been in your house for a while, you can somehow, you can navigate your way around, right? Like you've been there. But think about like, say you're, you're at like a, a B&B or you're at a hotel and the same thing happens. Like what's going to happen? You're going to stub your toe. You're going to bang your knee on a dresser. You're going to hit your head on a door frame. Like maybe that's just me. Like, but like that's, it's just hard to get around. We don't know what's around, right? And like, here's the thing, like, this is what God wants 
for us. He doesn't want us to be like, okay, oh God, what do you want from me? Stub your toe, good luck. Or God, how do you want me to love people? Bang your head on a door frame, it's too bad. Or like, what does it look like to love my neighbor? Jam your foot inside of a, a desk. Like that's not what God wants. He's helping us. He's showing us. He's illuminating this idea. And we, we see this in the book of Mark. I love the way that Mark has like set up his story about Jesus. It's like what Jesus does is like Jesus isn't doing some stuff in like this, this back alley. Jesus isn't doing ministry like in this abandoned warehouse where no one can see it. No, Jesus is, is in people's houses. Jesus is in the synagogue. Jesus is on the streets where people can see what is happening. This isn't some like smoke and mirrors type of ministry that Jesus is into. Jesus isn't like, hey, watch over here, pay attention to this hand while I'm doing something over here. Like, no, Jesus is showing us, like, he wants us to see the work of God. He wants us to see what the kingdom is like. He wants to reveal this to us. I mean, if we think about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine so that people can see them and praise your Father in heaven. There is a desire for the kingdom to be seen, to the work of God to be seen. And sure, there are times when Jesus does a miracle. There's times when Jesus does a teaching that, that he says, hey, don't, don't tell anyone about this. And, and that's a thing that happens. But there's going to be a day when all is going to be revealed. And the good news for us is that we are, we are in that day. Things that have been hidden have been revealed to us in Jesus. I mean, just think about some of the stuff in the Old Testament. Think about some of the things that only make sense in light of Jesus, think about maybe Isaiah 53. This suffering servant, this king who's going to come and he is going to suffer and he is going to die. He's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. It's like, how does the king, how does that make sense? In light of, unless we, we see that in light of Jesus. Or there's a passage in 2 Samuel where it talks about the line of David. It says, your kingdom and your rule and your reign will never end. Really? Because Rome seems to be the ruling power right now. Rome seems to be the most powerful kingdom in the world at the moment. Like, how is this happening? And once again, like, when we see this in light of Jesus, it starts to make sense. And so Jesus, he, he shines a light on things. He illuminates things. He, he shows us these things. And, and in verse 21, again, it says, Would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or a bed? Of course not. Catch the bed on fire. Catch the basket on fire. But even more than that, like, it... It's silly. We, we don't do that. We don't just light lamps for, for that reason. This, the point of this is, the point of this parable is that the, the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. And we're going to see this in, at the end of this parable is it actually won't be hidden. And because it says again at the end of the passage, a lamp is to be placed on the stand where its light will shine. So this is what a lamp is meant to do. Not to be hidden but to be shown, to shine light on, uh, on, in the darkness. And this is, what, this is what the message of Jesus does. The message of Jesus is, is a light to a dark world. Think about this. In a, in a world that says you can't really trust people because they will always let you down. The message of the gospel is like, Jesus won't. God won't let you down. Or, or a message of a world that says you just have to accumulate more and more stuff, then hopefully, just maybe, if you get the right thing, you get enough stuff, you will be happy. And the message of Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not the case. That pure joy, real satisfaction is, is found in me. That the world that says that you will never be, you will never be comfortable, you will never have everything that you need, and Jesus is saying, no, I am that. It's the message of Jesus. It's, it's a light. To, to a dark world. And this is what the message of Jesus 
does. So the first thing we see is that like, the, the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. Jesus continues on in verses 24 and 25 by teaching us that the kingdom can, can be understood, at least in part. Let's read Jesus' words here. Jesus says, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and the more you, the more you will receive for those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even the little that understanding that they have will be taken away from them. Now, this isn't about like earning our understanding. God, Jesus isn't saying like, if you work hard enough and you try hard enough, then I will bless you and you have earned your understanding. No, that's not what we're talking about. But it's talking about this willingness to do the mental work. As we talk about like these parables, like, we can just hear a parable and like, oh, okay, I don't get it, and walk away. Or we can do the mental work. We start thinking through, okay, what is, what is going on? Or, or maybe like some of these difficult passages that we come through when we read the Bible. Maybe you read a passage like, I don't know what that, understand, what that means. Oh, well, but moving on. Like, but when we dive into this, when we actually start thinking through these things, and like Jesus is saying like, more will be understood. You can gain more understanding. When I was in university... I was a, uh, I don't know if you, any of you can identify with this. I was a uh, work extremely, extremely hard, study very, very long to be a little bit above average student. Anyone else there? That was me. Then I had these friends who would study like three minutes and still get better grades than me. I'm like, how is that fair? I studied for three hours. You didn't even, you didn't even read it and you still got a better grade than me. Like, and it's frustrating and it's infuriating. Kyle, I still know, I still know his name. Like, I remember very well, like, what is happening here. Kyle Layfield, didn't have to study, still do better than me. But that's not the way, that's not the way the kingdom works. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Because it's this idea that Jesus is saying, like, you put in the time, you put in the effort, and God is going to help us to understand. He's going to help us to learn. He's going to help us to grow. Once again, look at verse 25. To those who, are, who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even the little understanding they have will be taken away from them. It's, it's pretty simple to, to think about. It's pretty simple ideas. The, the more that we work, the more we commit to actually learning God's word, the more we're going to learn it. Fancy that. Like the more we try, the more we actually work and get to know the word of God, the, the more we can learn. I mean, think about this in, in regards to kind of like a, a friend. So you have this friend who, who calls you and asks you to do something. And, and every time it's some excuse, oh no, like I just got a haircut. Oh no, like my, my cat needs a bath. Oh no, like I sneezed twice and I'm probably sick. Like, I don't know, like, but it's just like random excuses that begin to happen. Eventually the friend is going to be like, okay, I've, I got the point. You don't want to do anything. We're not going to do things together. And, and they're going to kind of stop calling. And not that God's like stops pursuing us, but it's this idea of when we, when we say yes, when we're trying, we're putting in the effort that we are going to be able to grow. We're going to be able to learn. We're going to be able to gain more understanding. And I think one of the significant things that we see in this passage is, is the question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, are you listening? Because I think for a lot of us, like, oh God, if you would just speak to me. It's not the question. The question is, are you listening? I mean, it's pretty clear from these passages that God is speaking. That's pretty, pretty clear. Look at this. 22. Everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. Anyone with ears should hear and understand. 24. Play close attention. 
the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. 25, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Verse 30, Jesus is asking a question. How should I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to help people understand it? Verse 33, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. Like, the question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, is are you listening? Four times in the three verses of 23 through 25, we find the word listen or listening. So there's the question for you. Are you listening? Are you listening to God? Are you listening to him? So I think it's important to, to put ourselves in an environment where we're, we're, we're able to listen. So are you, are you committing daily to, to actually reading the word of God? It's, it's kind of hard to listen to the word of God if we're not reading the word. More than just like this one verse, like are we actually taking the word and just listening and reading it? Not only are we reading it, but here's where I've struggled at times. Okay, I read it. Great. Done. Check. Are we thinking about it? Are we taking time to actually like meditate on the word day and night, thinking through what we've read, not just, okay, tick the box. I've, I've done my Devo today. Way, way to go, Luke. You're a good Christian now. But are we taking this time to think through it, to chew on it, to ponder it, to, to wrestle with things that we might not understand, to, to wrestle with things we might not like? Are we having this time to do that? Are we, are we Sabbathing? Are we, we, are we committed to actually resting and growing closer to God? Are we making these kind of commitments so that we can grow, we can listen the way that we're meant to? And when we begin to listen to God's word, one of the cool things begins to happen is, is God's word begins to come out of us. We start to, to have the word, like, it comes to our minds. It comes to our hearts. We start to live out these things. And friends, one of the greatest gifts that we have been given is that of the Holy Spirit. We have a Holy Spirit who Jesus actually says that it's better for him to leave so that the Holy Spirit will come. So the Holy Spirit not only convicts us of sin, it not only, it, the Holy Spirit does that, but the whole Holy Spirit also it guides us. It helps, helps help us understand. It helps us in these moments to get to know God's word. Like it's a beautiful thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. I can't tell you the amount of times where I have preached a sermon and I have left and been like, that was terrible. Like I'm just disappointed with it. I was like, I, that did not go the way that I want it. Too. And then I'll have somebody come up, oh, that's the greatest sermon in my life I've ever heard. I was like, were you listening to what I was preaching? No, that's, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Maybe you've had some conversations with people and, and, and you're just pouring out your heart and you're sharing with them and you're just loving them and you're sharing these things and, you're, and they're like, wow, that really moved me, that really encouraged me. You're like, I don't know what I said, but okay. Like, and if you're praying that God would be in those conversations, like the Holy Spirit does these things. He helps us. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they want us to understand one of the beautiful things we have the word of God for. Like, we can understand this. So we see the kingdom can be understood. We see the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. Jesus presses on and we find out that the kingdom grows and is growing by God's power. Let's read the, the next parable here, 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces its crops on its own. First, a, blade of le a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and, the harvest, and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. This is such a, a humbling thing 
I think it's really significant for us to remember, be reminded that God is the one who makes the kingdom grow. When, when, people come to know, when people come to faith, that's not like a badge of honor for us. Like, oh, look what we did. It's a reminder that this is what the Holy Spirit does. Because if we, if we could make the kingdom grow, we would get prideful. And pride is nothing but destructive. I've shared this quote with you guys before, but I still think it's just so powerful. It's from, from C.S. Lewis's book, The Silver Chair. And in this moment, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia series, like, you kind of know like Aslan plays the character of God. And there's this, this moment where Jill and Eustace are, are brought to Narnia. And they're having this conversation with Aslan. And Aslan is like, okay, here's why I've brought you here. Here's the plan. Here's what I want from you. And Jill says this, I was wondering, I mean, could there be a mistake? Because nobody called me and, and scub, scrub, you know. It was we who asked to come here. I was like, you, you say we called, you say you called us, but we didn't, you know, we were asking you for us to come here. And listen to Aslan's response. You would not have called me unless I have been calling you. And that's the, that's the truth when it comes to the kingdom of God. is God is the one who's drawing people to himself. The Holy Spirit is the one who is working. And so our job, like, look at this. Like, this, is, this is so humbling. It says, night and day, while he sleeps or while he's awake, the seed sprouts. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter whether he's sleeping or whether he's awake. Like, the seed is sprouting. Then there's the humbling statement. He doesn't even understand how it happens. The earth produces its crop on its own. And so it's a good reminder that God's kingdom, he is the one who grows his kingdom. He is the one who does this. And so what we do is we sow seeds, we, we plant seeds, we, we do the work, and we trust God to make it grow. And as we read this parable, I think it's, it's fascinating that there's, like, there's, there's something that seems to be left out when it comes to like farming and there's comes to, to gardening. I'm not a very good gardener, but I at least know that what you do when you're planting seeds is you just don't throw them and hope for the best. Like there's some other things that begin to happen. Like you, you, need, to, you need to plow, you need to cultivate, you need to do some weeding and some watering. You need to do some of these things, but none of that is brought up in the passage. I think it's really powerful, this idea of thinking, like, no farmer would actually do this, especially in the, the world in which Jesus is talking, that is a very poor, poor part of the world. A farmer is not just going to sow seeds and hope for the best. But once again, it's just a reminder. It's even if, even if we were to do all of these things, even if we were to cultivate, even if we were to weed, even if we were to water, we still aren't making the seed grow. It's still God's work who is making the seed grow. And I don't want us to miss the process that happens here. Look, listen. First, the leaf pushes through. Then the head of the wheat is formed. And finally, the grain is ripened. Then the harvest time comes. Each part of the growth has its, has its place. Like you don't just plant a seed and the next day, like there's a, there's a plant. Like there's this process that begins to happen. We can't go straight from the seed to the, to the harvest. Like there's a process that goes on. I think it's important for us to realize that we cannot rush kingdom growth. Is there's this process that happens. And we're trusting God to work through this entire process. Maybe some of you have been there. And you wish you could rush kingdom growth. Maybe you can even think of some people in your life and be like, I wish I could rush the growth in you. But the reality is, we can't. We trust God. To, to continue to, to, to make things grow. 
A few weeks ago, we, it, was, it was during one of those like really rubbish days, the weather, and like there was like this 30 minutes time where it was supposed to not rain. And so we're like, okay, we've got to get the girls outside. And so we're like running around. We're trying to get their wellies on. We're trying to get them ready, get their rain suits on. Like, okay, get outside 30 minutes before the rain comes down. And like, you guys ever tried to rush a kid out, rush a kid? It doesn't work. And so we're like trying to get Ava out. I was like, I don't want to wear my wellies. I was like, just put your wellies on. It's fine. Like, okay, put your Crocs on. I don't care. And she's like, oh, I, I need to do this. I need to do that. I was like, sweetie, you got 30 minutes. And like, that's it. And then we get ready. We finally get the, the rain suit on, get Emma ready to go. And then we're like, I smell something. I'm like, of course, Emma pooped. So let's go change her. It's like, this, this whole time is like, if you don't have kids, just wait. This is what it's like. But it's like trying to rush kids out the door. It leaves you frustrated. It leaves you annoyed. It makes you lose your hair. Like, it is just like, it just doesn't work. You can't rush kids out of a door. Can't rush kids. It just doesn't seem to work. Can't rush the kingdom. If we try to do it, we're going to be left annoyed. We're going to be left frustrated, disheartened, aggravated. Like, these are things that we just, we can't do. But the reality is, we can trust that God is working. Even if we don't see it, even if that leaf is pushed through the grass and that is all, or through the ground and that is all it has done for a long time, we can continue to trust that God is working below the surface, that God is doing more. He's doing, he's doing work. And in many ways, what this passage is for us, it's, it's an invitation to trust God more. It's an invitation for us to have just greater trust in, in God. Because the farmer plants the seed and he trusts God to make it grow. This is his livelihood. He's, he's putting his money, all that he owns, is, is wrapped up in this, this little seed. And whether he's going to be able to eat, whether he's going to be able to survive. And he plants it and he's like, I don't know how it's going to work. Whether I sleep, whether I'm awake, it's going to grow on its own. And he trusts God to provide and I'm just thinking about the seed. If we can trust God to work out, this, grow the seed that we don't understand and we don't know how it works, maybe there's some other areas in our lives that we can trust Him as well. I mean, just think about some of the people in the Bible. Think about Noah, for example. Noah builds an ark. God says, build an ark. Noah's like, okay, never seen rain before, but I'm going to trust you. Think about Abraham. Abraham, pack up and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Okay. I, if I'm Abraham, I, I want a few more details. Like, let me know where we're going so I can punch it in the GPS so we can get there. But, but Abraham goes. Think about the story of Ruth. Ruth leaves her, her people. She leaves and she follows her mother-in-law. She has no idea what is going to happen, but she's like, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to follow you here. And so maybe for us, like, this is a reminder that God can be trusted and that we should, we should trust him in, in areas of our lives. Maybe it's financially. Maybe we're like, you know, God, you, you tell us that we need to be generous. And I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to trust you in that. I'm going to trust you here. Or maybe it's in the, these relationships and like these people that you want to spend time with. And, or, or maybe you had this plan. Like, okay, married by 25, kid by 20, or dog by 26, kid by 30. You had these plans and then it's like, okay, that doesn't seem to work. And it's like, but God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust for you to bring the right person in my life at the right time. And we're going to do this. I'm going to trust you here. Or, or maybe it's just the future. Maybe you had all these plans, these thoughts that you think were going to happen, and then you realize that it's not going the way that we want it to go. But if God can, can provide for people, if he can make a seed grow, we can, we can trust him. 
This is what this has given us an invitation to. We can trust God. I think many of us here in this room, we trust God with our salvation. So why not trust him with every other area of our lives? If we can trust him there, we can trust him even more. Look at the final part of the parable that Jesus tells. We've already alluded to this, but it's that the kingdom will not stay hidden. Verses 30 through 32. How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, and it becomes the largest, largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and the birds make its nest in its shade. I want to make sure that we notice that, that word, seed. Single seed, not seeds, not multiple seeds that are planted. One seed turns into this mighty, mighty huge bush, plant, tree, whatever we want to call it. Now, like, Jesus isn't teaching us, like, seedology here. Like, he's, he's helping us know, like, get this idea. Because if you, if you want to fact check Jesus, the black orchid has a smaller seed than a mustard plant. But they wouldn't know about the black orchid at that time. Like, this would have been the seed that people would have known. And Jesus is saying there's this, this one seed, this tiny little seed, turns into this massive bush. This week, I was, I was reading about red kangaroos. And, and for, here, here's the reason. I'm not just weird. Well, I am. But like, the, the reason for the red kangaroos, I don't know if you guys know this, but red kangaroos are the mammal that gives birth to the smallest offspring in comparison to their size. Fun fact, if you didn't know that, it's the red kangaroo. One one hundred thousandth of their size is their offspring. So just for reference, a giant panda is one nine hundredth. A, a Bengal tiger is one in 120. A human is, is 120th. This is one 100,000th of the size. And I was reading about red pandas, and one of the things is the red panda mother is the only mammal who can actually, like, cut off childbirth until it's ready. I'm like, nope, not ready now. If there is a, a, already a joey in the pouch, the mother can, like, hold off giving birth. Find that fascinating? The process of, of the pregnancy lasts a, a whopping 33 days. That's it. Like, that's, that's how long it takes. And so what happens is after 33 days, the baby is born. It comes out blind and hairless and is only a few centimeters long. And it begins to, to take the crawl up the abdomen into, into the pouch, and it latches on and just begins to eat. This crawl in the baby kangaroo takes three to five minutes. Because this is a tiny little, tiny little kangaroo. But here's the thing. Is the red kangaroo is the biggest of all kangaroos. So it starts as a few centimeters, but it grows from to three, about three and a half meters tall. It starts at a few grams, and it goes to anywhere from 50 to 90, 95 grams, or 95 kilograms. Like massive animal. And it starts so small, but it, but it ends up being big in comparison. This is what Jesus is getting at with the mustard seed. It's like it might start small, but guess what, friends? It's not going to stay small. The kingdom might start small, but it is not going to stay small. And this is what Jesus, like, he does this, and he, he really focuses in on this. Like, if you were going to start a revolution, if you were going to start this big movement, what common sense would tell us, we have to gather as many resources, we have to gather as many people as we possibly can so that we can get some, some, some uh, influencers ready on social media, we can get some people here to, to talk it up in this side of town, we got, we got to get this movement going, and Jesus doesn't do that. No, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus says, when somebody's questioning, is like, you can't put your hand to the plow and look back to follow me. 
there's this moment where this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and, and wants to follow him. Like if Jesus was going to start a revolution, like this is the guy, right? He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he has money, he has influence, he has like time to be alive, he, he has connections, he has power. And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. Because Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's like a mustard seed. Start small, but it doesn't stay small. And if we're honest, like a mustard seed really is kind of a curious symbol for the kingdom. Like if, you, if Jesus could have said like the kingdom of heaven is like an oak, an oak seed, like an, uh, this, still a small seed in comparison to the, the big tree. Or he could have even thought about all oh, the mighty cedars of Lebanon, like these massive cedar trees. He could say that's what the kingdom is like, like the, the cedar seed. But Jesus doesn't say that. He, say, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I don't know how much you guys know about mustard seeds and mustard plants, but here's the thing. Once a mustard plant takes root, you're not getting rid of it. Like people are like, oh, let's plant mustard seed. That'll be great. And then it just overruns the entire garden. It starts choking out all the other plants that are around. It starts getting rid of those things. It's kind of like romadendron. Like it looks real nice. You can't get rid of it. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And that's what Jesus is saying with the, with the kingdom is once the kingdom is planted, there's no getting rid of it. We can look throughout history. People have tried, haven't they? They've tried to get rid of the kingdom. They've tried to get rid of the message of the gospel. They've tried, but it's not going anywhere. And it overruns things in the best possible way. This kingdom starts with, with 12 dudes and it's become this massive kingdom. This is what Jesus is saying. It's, it's, it starts small, but it won't stay small. It is not, the kingdom will not remain hidden. So once again, the question for us, is, is, are we listening? Jesus, or Mark concludes the section by saying, Jesus used many other, many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So the purpose of parables was to reveal or to conceal. To reveal to those who desired to, to know it, to conceal from those who didn't. And so here's the thing for us is that we need to listen not just with our ears but with our hearts and with our hands. This week in our, our community group we were studying James chapter 1. And in James 1, like in verse 19, James says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So James is saying you need to listen. Then if you fast forward a little bit to James chapter 22, James goes on to say, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So James is identifying there's two different problems. One problem is you don't listen. Problem two is all you do is listen. Then he finally he concludes this in James chapter 1, verse 27. He says, true and genuine religion inside of God is this, to care for the widows and orphans and do not let the world corrupt you. This is, I think this is what Jesus is getting at for us. It's like, it's good. Let's listen to the word, not just with our ears, but with our hearts and with our hands. Let's do the things that, that God wants us to do. As James is saying, let's care for the people that God cares about. Don't miss the do what Jesus did in our little mantra that we've said a lot over the last few months, to be, like, to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. 
Can I give you guys two questions to ask the Holy Spirit this week? Question number one is who do you want me to love, care, or serve? Who do you want me to love, care, and serve? Second one is kind of right off of it. How do you want me to do that? And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is really good at answering that question. He is really good at revealing different people to us. So God, who is it that you want me to love? Who is it that you want me to serve? Who is it that you want me to care for? And how do you want me to do that? Can I pray for us? Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for...